Hey there, I'm Becky, and welcome to Literary Escapes with me, Becky. Thanks for joining me today as we talk about all kinds of great bookish escapes. Today I have the pleasure of talking to author Winnie Winkle. If you are a fan of fun, wacky, paranormal stories, this is definitely for you. Let's jump right in. So we got to meet for a couple of minutes at ORB, but I'm really looking forward to getting to know you a little bit more. Thank you for agreeing to join me today. Absolutely. I, ORB is such an excellent conference for writers. It was so much fun, yeah. So well organized. I always come away with two or three really, really good, yeah, really good workshops. That's I really enjoyed that. I do an annual goal planning, which is coming up. I usually do my goal planning sessions in October, and it's going to be a November project this year. But uh, there are several things, takeaways from ORB that I'm going to incorporate this year. Oh, nice. I really like that because you get so busy. This is such an insane schedule when you're wearing all the hats. Right. At, you know, personal professional development, not so much craft, but running a business development. Exactly. Because you are running a business. Yeah. It's it's one of the more insane businesses because you have to know you are wearing so many different hats. Yeah. And not just being a writer and hopefully a good one, a marketer. Yeah. And let's see, you have to be probably an artist to be able to get like covers and whatnot. And, or pay someone to do that. You have to have a website. So you have to have tech knowledge. You have to have a, or an email list. <laughs> it's like, and oh, it's, and social it's media. Because, you know, I would encourage anybody who's older, who's always wanted to write, to not be afraid of it. Because I was astounded how many previous job, different types of activities and, and projects that I executed actually helped me get into some of these other hats. Nice. Uh, okay. The only one that really threw me is advertising. I don't understand how it works. I don't, I'm yeah. not a cruncher. So thank God my daughter is at advertising. And so she's my um, second admin on all my advertising accounts. Nice. She's not a thousand percent slammed. She'll go at least go in and take a look and be like, pause this, you know, this one's, yeah, this one's not working anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, so that I'm at least spending a little better, you know, okay. or I would just plug them in and then I'd get busy and two months go by and I'd go look at the ad and be like, oh, that was an expensive mistake. Exactly. <laughs> I've like, had a few of those. And on this two months ago, this thing's killing it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Not all bad news. Sometimes you're just like, yeah, no wonder I'm seeing a book on that book, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you have no idea until you look. Yeah, that's so funny. So what was your previous life? Oh, my goodness. I wore a lot of hats in my previous life, too, um, mostly because uh, I was a working mom. So I kept books for a long time. So I, you know, I can do a, 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 you know, a cost analysis and I can do month end bookkeeping and and some of that kind of stuff, which is helpful. Yeah. Um, I also took a job. I worked in government for a while as a congressional aide. Oh, wow. Setting up events Hmm. and uh, doing outreach and 
all those things were really important. But I was also a blogger back in the early 2000s. So theirs was a little bit older, but tech skills, website right. stuff. Even, yeah, running a website, yeah. And cool. so, yeah, I know, not just enough code to screw everything up. <laughs> So I'm not too invented. That's a dangerous place to be, right? <laughs> I do like WordPress because it, it's like I can understand the language. Yeah. And there are plugins if you need them. So plugins are are really helpful. They're amazing. Yeah. I don't want to spend hours on my website. I want something that looks fun and professional and kind of reflects my goofy sense of humor. Yeah, I like your website. I you know, yeah. <laughs> what I enjoy doing. Awesome. So you have a background in, you know, blogging and government, all these different things. So how did you get into writing? Well, I've always been the person in the office that got tapped. Oh, okay. for writing things? Well, and it's usually because somebody's written something that's either awful or needs proofreading desperately. And of course I'm dumb and say, oh, you know, hey, let me just clean that up for you. And then the next thing they know, it's like, oh, hey, take over the newsletter. Oh, hey, right, right. company blog, you know, <laughs> write this copy, you know, because then they don't have to pay a professional to do it. Exactly. Or that could actually string a sentence. Um, but I started a book when I had smaller children, which God love these authors and have kids under the age of 12 who don't, you know, they yeah. really don't have life yet other than the sports you told them to, because that's really hard. I, I can only imagine. Yeah. I don't know. I, I got like three quarters of the way through the first <laughs> book, fantasy trilogy. And I, I, I don't know if I'll go back to it because my voice has changed. Yeah. This much more serious of a voice and more something. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really, I'm writing more can't be eclectic now. And so it would be a gear shift for me to go back, but I love the story. Okay. I just do it with, you know, my kids were six and the twins were four. So okay. it, it just, no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is interesting though, that your voice changes over time. And when I first started to write, I wrote romance. Okay. And I wrote paranormal romance because I like the idea that there's more in any given plane than what the eye sees. Right. I like that. Yeah. I found that really constrictive and romance readers know exactly what they love. And they so do. don't have a lot of deviation room. I took some uh, liberties with um, some of the characters that I chose and the way I presented them. I, I really like, uh, total BA women. And so I wrote, I ne will never write a simpering violet. I will never write an, an angry alpha. I don't like those characters. Okay. And I think they're redeemable. There's lots of authors out there that are slaying it in those tropes and right. good for them. Because yeah, I, exactly. I'm going to write a world where strong women are normal, mm -hmm. not traditional, and that they are you know, just able to completely be free and be themselves. I want that world for my daughter. So yeah, I write, but after I wrote, I wrote five romances and I left a trilogy dangling for a while, which I don't recommend either. Finish your work ladies. Um, <laughs> and started writing fantasy because I like, I ran into M.A. Cooper who writes um, hard space opera 
very successfully. And okay. she told me that one of the things that drew her to beginning that saga of her writing was that uh, she wanted to develop the, the growth arc of a character who's been challenged. And I thought, I want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that all day long. So <laughs> that's how I got into my fantasy series. That's this one. Okay. That's the, um, yeah, the record series. Is that? Yes. Okay. So Boogie Beach is um, based on a pier bar situation. So you basically a long pier jutting out into the ocean and there's a restaurant and a bar built on it. And that's what humanity sees. But the concept of the book is that it's actually that pier sits on a line between the real and extraordinary worlds. And it's a crossing point that ties oh. to the sort of cycling of the moon. So on a half moon, or on a, I'm sorry, on a new moon and a, and a full moon, lots of magicals cross into the human world for that day. Oh, okay. And on their side of the bar, which the humans can't see, there's a whole nother bar and that's the magical bar. And so she, the bartender who's the pure owner, she runs both. Okay. It's picked by a magical book to be the keeper of the line and chronicle the line. That's what she thinks her job is. So in this first book, she's like kind of considered, she's not treated well by the magical. She's considered very inferior, but the more she's good at her job, the more she personally excels at understanding what it means to be a keeper, the more holes she starts to see in the way the balance is between these two worlds. And she's starting to wonder if she's being snowed Ooh. and then that kind of takes off her development starts there because instead of being a, okay, here's my job description, I'm going to do this. And it's kind of cool because I see magic too. It becomes more like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And she trusts her gut enough to push okay. and it's risky because yeah. they don't want, they don't want to upset. They got a good gig going, you know? And uh, so it becomes, it, the whole thing comes to a head. That's kind of my thing is every book she ends up upending something that was believed to be the, sacrosanct okay flipping the world just a little bit more each time so by the fifth book and that is funk and weird right yes so yeah. by the book, she's really cemented her position of authority in the dynamic of the world the humans know there's magic she they know who she is and what her role is but now because of what's been happening through her efforts to understand and enact change um, in something that she doesn't understand all the time. I mean, she's not like this, this immaculate thing. She's just a, you know, a chick with a gut and a sense of feisty fatalism. Does um, she have magic? No. Okay. How you interesting. Know, okay. The book and she's figured out over time that she can communicate to the book and get questions answered. And oh. so she's got kind of like a talking library, I would call oh, interesting. it. interesting, okay. But the, that library relies on her using her noodle to try to figure out what's really happening. And she's paying a price, every book she's paying a price and there's gonna be seven total. And okay. kind of gel around with book six. But in a long fantasy arc like that, I, it's not gonna be good until it gets better. So she's probably going to struggle in the next book and then in the seventh book have it all kind of come together for her 
all the threads. In fact, that's, um, I'm working on a little sci-fi, campy sci-fi series right now. And the idea is behind those books is that they're gonna give me some breathing room so they can do some work for me while I sit down and read all five of these and rewrite my story Bible, which I've added to each book. But right. I, need, I need to pick out really unique threads because I write by the seat of my pants. I don't plot a darn thing. So this is oh, wow. serious research, but I really need to understand what she, where she was. I want to really look at what she might've picked up or might've missed. Okay. Let those kind of ideas inform what's going to happen when I actually crack the laptop and start book six. Nice. Okay. That's interesting. And so the new one that you just wrote, the, the campy sci-fi is the Bongo and Delilah. Break so, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so for the record series, where's that one set? In current time, uh, in a fictional town south of Daytona Beach. Okay, okay. I, I grew up in the Midwest, but I moved to Florida 32 years ago. Okay. It is, this, I've never lived anywhere else. Yeah, Florida's your home, yeah. And I, I love, love it. It's, it's so weird and cool <laughs> and, and occasionally, you're kind of, and then other times you're like, yeah, you know, it's just, it, this piece of the world really pulls emotions from me and it makes it easy to write. Well, that's good. Yeah. There's, um, and it's an easy place to have the funky and the weird and the crazy because it's all there. <laughs> and even if you don't get into fantasy or magic or any of that, it's all there anyway. So and lots of people come here. So even though they're not living here full time, right? They come here and they they've let a little crazy out. They do. So I appreciate it. You know, it's yeah. like oh, you know, I, I don't sit there and you know do somersaults on the beach at home, but inspiring. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's so funny. So um, the bongo and Delilah break Daytona is presumably in Daytona, right? That's a uh, Alien First Contact trilogy. Oh, fun. Okay. Um, and so basically, they're in Pennsylvania, and they're two best friends, and they're kind of polar opposites, except they're both very loyal people. So they are loyal to this friendship. Delilah is from, like, South Georgia, big redneck uh, kind of background and you in book two you start to get a really good sense of what her life was like but okay anyway, moved to pennsylvania with her grandmother her freshman year okay <laughs> she looks like a dolly parton knockoff the grandma or the or delilah delilah does and of course okay. she high school during grunge so she's wandering around in flannel and really not <laughs> doing her thing <laughs> They became friends in high school and now they're like 42 and uh and bongo's marriage is, has gone the way of the buffalo and her kids are all just finishing college so she's kind of like set adrift not yeah. doing what she was going to do so delia's like great we're road tripping i gave you know i'm taking two weeks you don't you know you work for yourself let's go and so they head out except they could get this little green hitchhiker 
<laughs> and being resourceful women, they realize that monetarily that could be really good for them. You know, they are their ground zero for first contact. So they're going to try to help him out. He's on a mission. Okay. And, uh, but they figure the best way to hide him is to get him a job as a drag queen because then he's in makeup from head to toe. And <laughs> that works. Yep. <laughs> How funny. And they encounter somebody else who would like to profit off of this whole situation. And, and the thing just, it, it's not a super long book. It's definitely under 30,000 words. So it, okay. it just rolls and rolls and rolls and then it's done. And the, literally this book two takes us like a week after book one ends. So okay. they're just in that same kind of adventure. And now I'm ready to start book three on that. Oh, which fun. I think, I'm not sure if I'm moving them out of Florida or not. Okay. I, they may start to go to, to <clears throat> Orleans and get sidetracked somewhere. We'll see, you know, I never know. I never yeah, know. exactly. Never know where they're going to go. That is so funny. I, I can't imagine being a pantser author and not know where things are going and just being open to it. That seems like such a crazy thing to me. <laughs> I, I've always felt like I, I was such a voracious reader until I had kids and then I just didn't have as much time to read. Right. But I still did read, but I didn't read the, at the level. I mean, I consumed the written word for decades. I didn't have my first kid till I was 34. Um, and I think that I have story structure just embedded in my head. Okay. So when a story, I, it's like my editor is like, your pacing is never a problem. And so I'm you like, know, you know, when things need to happen and. But it's never conscious, things just happen. And I know that sounds kind of creepy. That's interesting though, I like that, yeah. It's like, the, the, you know, <clears throat> I think it's more, I have this in a sense that it, uh, I, there's a bog ahead and uh, something shifts internally and, and they run into something or they, you know, whatever the storyline is, something unexpected happens. And since I don't know what it is, right. I've had mid readers are like, you just have so many twists and turns and I never know what's going on. And I'm like, girl, no. And I think, is this like a hot mess? And then I'll read it through and I'm like, okay, it just needs to be cleaned up. It's just a draft. But yeah, it's, it's all together. So it's pretty wild. That is wild. I love it. And, and so how, how do you get the inspiration for your stories? Because they are kind of wacky and fun. Um, well, on the, in the record series, I actually, there was a pier bar not too far from my condo that I can walk to. It's, uh, and I was up there for dinner one night and uh, there was a good store. I mean, uh, like the whole place was just filled with locals. The whole yeah. thing rocking and rolling. I mean, it's yeah. a And the, uh, there's a row of pitchers, beer pitchers. I'm sitting at the bar, big shock, I know. Um, <laughs> Beer, there's a row of beer pitchers over my head and they're like, dee, 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 you know, just like crazy. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to tuck my salad back a little bit just in case one of those things goes flying. And then I realized it, it, despite the storm and the winds coming in from different directions and the whole thing that, that over time they just started to get in sync. And I'm like, man, that looked like magic. And I, <laughs> oh, Ooh. my phone opened up a note started and I wrote you know I don't How know fun okay 2,000 words in the bar while I'm you know waiting for the storm to let up enough for me to walk home and I 
opened my laptop that night and wrote the first chapter of Oogie Beach. Oh, I love it. That's such a fun idea. And so it's, it sounds like this series, the, um, the record series is different than like a romance series. Cause a lot of the romance series that I'm familiar with, each book is kind of um, about a different character and they have their own story. And that's not what this is. Is that correct? Yeah. I, in my romance books, I have two, two complete trilogies now. I finally went in and fixed that hole in the one. And, uh, and they, one of them is three male friends and there's a book about each of the three friends. And the other one um, is, has character overlap. So the characters in book one show up in book two and in book three, two and three show up for the big finale fight. Right. So there's a cohesion there but you don't have to write romance that way if you don't want to. You can use it as, you know, it's, they're all going to be this style. And so that's your trilogy. Is there, you're going to have three versions of, you know, Beauty and the Beast or three versions of a motorcycle club book or whatever, you know, floats your mm -hmm. boat. Um, in the record, it's kind of an ensemble cast with a main character. And each book adds to the cast and fleshes out their personality. So by the time you get into like, so we're this mirrored the fifth, fourth book, yeah, kind of really rocks out, and that's that's like a big deal. They're experiencing a world change, and it's going to impact each individual magical race and humanity, um, basically the whole planet. The um, um, the girl who is the record keeper, she is the one who's the main character in each book, though. Is that correct? Cleopatra okay. or Patra. Yeah. I'm sorry, say her name again. Cleopatra O'Keefe, but they call her Patra. Okay. I know, Egyptian Irish. I thought I, I like it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Make her blonde. Let's really mess them up, you know. <laughs> Oh, funny. I love it. Okay. That's so interesting. And so right now you're working on... Um, finished book two. I sent it to my editor yesterday for Bongo and Delilah. The second one is Bongo and Delilah Crash Casadega, which is an actual... Oh, I know Casadega. That's an actual spiritual camp. Uh, yeah. Near uh, South Daytona. I grew um, up right next door to Casadega. <laughs> Well, maybe you'll see some uh, familiarity. I put like the church in there and some other bills okay. mentioned once. And that's so stuff. funny. Yeah, we used to go to the cemetery on Halloween. Yeah, crazy. Well, cemeteries don't bother me. Yeah, they never have. Um, well, I wanted to continue the idea that you know he he needs opportunities to interact with humanity and maybe be in disguise. And so I thought, well, we have to put us to make him on and tell some fortunes because he's got some tele telepathic ability. Okay. So that's kind of where we went with that, and that's why I'm leaning toward New Orleans for book three, just because I'd have to do some reading up on on voodoo and voodoo and conjuring because oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. But I it might be another place where. Um, that would that well dynamic. especially if it's during you know one of the big parties or something he'd probably blend right in <laughs> wouldn't have to wear makeup you know yeah how funny I myself been to new orleans since i was in my 20s and new orleans that's is a fun place yeah 
pre-Katrina. I'm actually going in you know, in uh, February this year for a writer's retreat, but oh, um, nice. that won't really help this book. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have to, so I'm, I'm wondering where if they're gonna end up in a side town somewhere. Okay, know. that'll be fun to see, okay. Who knows, they'll, they'll tell me, I'll write it. <laughs> yeah, and so book two is all done. Yeah. And where is that? At, when will that be released? Well, I'm decided, um, that getting back to our original conversation about the many hats, is I've decided that I am going to work um, book two and three's release through Kickstarter. Oh, okay. Which I'm still studying. Okay. But it's kind of an alternative way to um, get a book launched and funded. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because fiction is actually starting originally on Kickstarter was a really good place to watch nonfiction. And now fiction's really gaining a toehold. And I thought, well, these books, I don't want to call them throwaways because they're very funny and they're great reads for, you know, when you just need to get away from your crazy uncle on Thanksgiving for a few minutes, you should buy this book. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I thought, well, I don't want to do that with the record. I mean, if mm -hmm. I'm going to experiment with alternative marketing strategies and tactics, I, I would rather do it with something that I'm not hoping we'll get a movie deal. Right, <laughs> so, right. Not quite as invested in maybe. Yeah. And, you know, a seven series fantasy is, is, you know, I don't want to hang the first five out to dry because I bombed on Kickstarter with six and seven. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. But I think it's going to be interesting. I, and my oh, Kickstarter really? should be out in January. So it won't be too long of a lag because uh, the first book's coming out October 27th. Okay. And so probably, you know, anything after around the 14th of January is kind of a slow time for books, but there's still a sweet spot in the, you know, right after. Right after Christmas time So January is still pretty okay. good. Okay. And then everybody's credit card bills show up and they all go crawl away. Ooh, I shouldn't buy anything. Yeah. yeah. I've certainly been there myself. You know? That's that not that an interesting cycle? Yeah, that's so funny. What are you reading right now? Well, I have a Laura Drake book that I read like seven pages into. And she's a fabulous, fabulous writer. If you're not reading Laura Drake, go read her. Um, and I can't remember the title of it because I'm crappy that way. But this is a book about a younger woman whose granny is very eccentric and they end up going on a road trip. I know and exactly I, what you're talking about. I, I interviewed Lord Drake. So, yeah. So, I, you know, it's, it's sort of become a reward. I think I'm going to read that book after I finish the third one and before I start rereading the record because it'll kind of cleanse my palate. And she's just such a lovely, lovely writer. She's yeah. very gifted with the. That's such a fun book. Okay, that's awesome. And the words and the and the rhythm of speech and it, it. She just is so much fun to read to me because I wish sometimes it's like, oh man, that phrase is a dynamo. You know, I get a <laughs> She's very good. That's awesome. How fun. And so. Where do you like to hang out with readers online? Well, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, um, but I, I feel like we're getting to the point, hopefully, where we can do more 
in-person interactions. So I know I'm grateful yeah, for that one. Yeah, I'll always have a, a online presence, but I would love to sit in libraries and read, you know, excerpts or do signings in bookstores and stuff, and really become a little more personal. Yeah, that's um, I missed the in-person stuff. Yeah. It was it was sad letting that go because I'm a big people person and it was hard to not be around people and that, that was oh, hard. I, during the lockdown, I was here at the beach and it was weird. Yeah. Um, the beach initially, so you couldn't even drive to the beach and sit by yourself. Yeah, and they I remember that. But not for cars, so you could walk if you walk ten feet away from everybody. And they, one time, a drone was over my head saying, "Maintain social distance," and I'm like, "Are you kidding?" Wow! Holy like, moly! Yeah, I I only saw that once, so I suspect they got some complaints. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> but, but they were trying to figure it all out, weren't they? Holy! It was really weird to see the beach unpeopled. Very yeah. beautiful. In yeah, especially in the Daytona-ish area. That's always so peopled. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Well, I did too. Thanks for joining me today on the Literary Escape Podcast. If you enjoy hearing the behind the book story, then join me in the Literary Escape Society. We're a community of travelers who love books or maybe book lovers who love to travel. Either way, if you need an escape, a literary escape, come join us as we read our way around the world together, one book at a time. Check out the show notes to learn more about the Literary Escape Society. And we'll see you next time on the next episode.